0: Welcome to the Paranormal Pendle Podcast, coming to you from the heart of Pendle Witch Country in the northwest of England. My name is Craig Bryant, author, investigator, and collector of stories. Join me as we take a journey into the paranormal, UFO sightings, cryptozoology, and big cats. This is the Paranormal Pendle Podcast. Welcome to episode 24 of Paranormal Pendle, broadcasting to the UK Paranormal Radio Network at paukradio.com. My guest on this episode is an author, investigator, broadcaster and speaker, Paul Sinclair. Paul, did I get all of your talents in there in that sentence? You did, and it sounds a little bit
1: strange when it's said like that, you know, because... Uh... <laughs> author, broadcaster, broadcaster. presenter, yeah. it's nuts, honestly, and I don't mean that in a derogatory my, my way, but it's its all totally alien to everything I've done
0: for the biggest part of my working life,
1: can which you, were knocking
0: nails in wood. Yeah, can you can you quite believe how it's all um, sort of, it's it's all blown up into this huge um, phenomena, really, if we can call it that, that is... Your truth proof books, um, your, your your life speaking that you do, um, the fact that you know you're a really sought after guest on the circuit. Um, I mean, how how does it how does it feel? To be... it's, it's bizarre. <laughs> it, it, it really is, because uh, I, I'm just
1: live speaking. I'm speaking with you, Craig, and, and other people, the podcasts, and, and you know, that don't bother me. I used to get kind of nervous if you were on coast to coast, or midnight in the desert, because you realise oh, you've got three hours here, are you going to be able to fill this three hours? Uh So, but I don't mean they don't bother me. That's a bit blasé, but they don't bother me that much now. Mm. The, the conferences do. I turn lots of conferences down. I bet... I won't say every conference in the UK, but I've turned a lot of them down. Let's put it that road. And that's not because the conference organisers or the people aren't, aren't worthy, because they are. It's just it's just me, Do you know, and, and America, World UFO Cong- Congress. I've turned, uh, I, I'm trying to think of the correct pronunciation for it, but it's been in America, and, and I've turned that down and another one, you know, and it's just, it's just not me, uh, you know, I'm not. It feels alien, even if I'm, I'm sort of good at with the gift of the gab. It doesn't feel right. Yeah, but it's got to be right. I must be doing
0: something right because oh, absolutely it entertains yeah. a few people. Let's put it that way. Well, I can I can guarantee Paul that you are doing everything right from from where I'm sitting. Um, you know the the body of work that you've done has, has been fantastic. Um, as I said, you you know you you're really, um, you're really in demand. Um, I mean, I, I believe you are doing a. a a convention um, is it in May at, at Blackpool? We've got
1: I've got two actually. I've got uh, the first one is May and that's in Hull. That's right. the Outer Limits conference for Chris Evers, and uh, I've done that now. That'll be this will be fourth time. I, I only did it initially because Chris has been a friend for thirty year. Well, t- between twenty five and thirty year. So I said I would do it. So I'm doing it again this year for Chris, uh, and. Then I spoke at the awakening prior to COVID when it was at, uh, I think it was Manchester, weren't it? And now it's at Blackpool this year. So, yeah, I'm going to speak at the awakening again this year and uh, I'll be speaking about subjects I didn't think I'd even be remotely interested in. Never thought. Everything that we're talking about, Craig, from my subject to what you research, it's all a little bit fringe, isn't it? Let's face it, we, it's not something that we discuss like we, if we were sat in a bar or in a cafe, or we a group of people, and the you, you know the bulk of the people would go, "Oh, did you watch that detective series on TV last night? That were interesting." You wouldn't start talking about the Black Monks of Accrington, uh, and that's do you know what I'm saying? Then I wouldn't be talking about UFOs over at sea to people, and there's a cutoff between. I wouldn't say real life because this is obviously real life, but the people that you can associate with and and share these stories and experiences with, it's a, it's a kind of limited kind of genre, but I, it's expanding. It's, it's, it is getting better. And I think that's partly our job, your job, my job, all of us would to try and get the subject out there in a way that, Would say the public who aren't as interested as us can can maybe just think well there might be a bit of plausibility in this this might be
0: more bit more accessible
1: yeah yeah it's (laughs) a long way around I just spent five minutes saying that you're just (laughs) that
0: (laughs) I mean I I actually it's interesting about talk you know talking about being in a you know being being in social situation and just talking to people and the vast majority of them wouldn't want to talk about the subjects that, that we're interested in but do you not find that occasionally you, you you know you have a friend or a family member somebody you've known for a long long time that will suddenly actually show a real interest That's that yeah, you do
1: yeah and and then it, it's kind of bites them and they're they're there is avidly to point where they're asking questions and things and you're thinking. Oh, I'm sick of talking about this. That happens. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then what I thought you were going to say, Craig, is that you'll be in a conversation, and there's actually somebody within that conversation who just Mm. wants to speak to you. Pull you to one side and go. Do you know something? I don't want to say it amongst these people, but something really interesting and uh, uh, like a pro- something that profound that's happened in their own life mm-hmm. or the dad's life or the, you know. And uh, so it's there. I think it's there for everybody. I think everybody at some stage or some point in the life has been touched by the phenomena. Yeah. It's just yeah. uh, to what degree do you you sort of jump down the uh, rabbit hole kind of thing and 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 start delving. And, and looking deeper and i suppose life dictates that if you've got a lifestyle that's absolutely 100 full-on children forging away in life you can't always devote the time that you want to even something that you might be passionate about or interested in And there's, there's a time and a place for everything yeah. you know and i had this interest craig all the way through or from i would have thought from childhood not realising how entrenched I was because of things that happened to me as a child. and But then, I don't know, I, I got married, me, when I was 19. You know, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I don't mind saying. I mean, I'm still married to the same woman, and I'm <laughs> sure I drive her mad. <laughs> <Do> you, know? <laughs> you know, but but the but yeah. the point is, there was a period then from 19 to probably I don't know, 28, 30, mm. where things were happening, but actual life... yeah. Yeah. Earning a yeah. living and everything Plus else, precedence over of course. getting involved or going out at night searching for things yeah. and looking. So the time and a place.
0: Yeah, which you can't do. I mean, you've you've got a you've got a family. You've got um, is it a couple of daughters? Four daughters. Four daughters, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my sympathies. Um, yeah. I, bet, I, bet, I, bet, <laughs> I bet that was fun. Uh, well, well, do you know, <laughs> I, I,
1: believe it or not, to my wife. I know we, we we're supposed to be talking about. Want to but Mary, Mary was the authority with the girls mm. the, the the you know the, the it were all us wait till your dad gets home you're, you're in trouble and all that but sh- she was the one that put a foot down and if there were any ever, ever any punishment and they were never really punished no. it were Mary that dished it out because uh, I can't ever remember really I can get angry with him, but I've never lifted my hands to my girls. Do you know no, what I mean?
0: No, no, yeah. I've, I've I've certainly lost my temper with my lads every now and then, but you know we, we have a bit of a, a bit of a shouting match. I mean, we had a yeah. we had an interesting conversation on your last, last live stream about that. So we'll leave that. Till, we did. Till, till I till don't us. think we better go there. I thought <laughs> in. Probably that. not. No. Um. No, I, I just think it's interesting that that you know people, um, people I think do find find us as people in what what motivates us why why we do what we do why we're interested in in what we're interested in um and i think it's nice sometimes just to open up and just let people know that actually we we are passionate about what we believe in we enjoy what we do um we enjoy the research we enjoy the writing we enjoy talking to other like-minded people and quite rightly as you said you know we we enjoy um, talking to people who perhaps we wouldn't necessarily have thought would be interested in the subject. And and it's a nice surprise when when they are. Um, let's move, to, let's just move a bit sideways then. And, and I wanted to, be able to talk to you about your latest book, Truth Proof Four, um, because it's obviously now getting, you know, getting into a really sort of um it's a series, isn't it? When you think about it, so when when, yeah. when when you look at it that way, you know. Um, I mean, when when you finished the first one, did you ever think you'd you'd be you'd be writing a fourth?
1: No, I thought it were a mammoth achievement doing the first. You know, Topper uh, uh, topper house. Uh, well, as it was then, I've, I've converted this spot now. There's reams and reams of writing and notes for other things that have happened throughout the years, and that were going to be for night people, which isn't a tr- isn't a part of the truth proof books. It's, yeah. Won't explain phenomena, but that were part of that. But I don't, I've, over the, that length of time, I've been collecting UFO reports, speaking to people. I think I think what what we need to be good at, or try to be good at, as researchers, if that's the word, is getting best out at witness, making witness feel comfortable. Because what what in a lot of instances, they they're leaving the self vulnerable. Vulnerable to an unscrupulous researcher you've seen, we all know that they exist. We all know they're out there. They get a little bit of information and they either go to a local paper with it and sort of put these people in a compromising position or go to a, a bigger paper. Mm-hmm. And before they know it, then their name is associated with it. It's them poor devils that have actually given information out. And I know we've jumped from what you were saying, but we've just, I think as researchers, we've got to witnesses are key and witnesses are primarily need to be treated with utmost respect. That's, that's the way I look at it. And I think that's probably why I get so many people coming to me, offering little bits of stories and information. Cause usually first thing I say is, do you want me to change your name? Mm. I said, because the person reading, it won't know whether you're called Eric Smith or Dan Brown. <laughs> do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I don't mind doing it. I've not got a answer problem with, with changing people's names and, just twisting things so long as I get the core of the story is accurate there's a story at Flamborough uh, and I've changed it considerably and it's some security guards on clifftops that witnessed a UFO landing but because of the nature of their job Mm. uh, it would have instantly exposed them to their uh, their company they worked for and they just didn't want that known you know yeah so uh, so so i changed it but the core of the story the actual truth of the story is correct so but uh i don't know i mean I, it's, it's it's you get a little bit of a buzz when somebody comes to you with a bit of new information you know when when we've been making wolflands mm. we've we've had we've we've sort of I don't know, we've been doing the Gamekeeper, we've been doing the Lads from Rotherham, we've sort of got all these people that we're talking to, which are in the book as well, they're intro through four. But then just out at blue, somebody will ring you and mm-hmm. you're off on another chase up top, of, up, up northeast, up near Skinning Grove. We've got a, right at the end of the film, we've, we've got a fabulous account from a guy <clears throat> in one of tiny fishing villages called Skinning Grove. Right. Incidentally, there's a bit of folklore attached to Skinning Grove. Apparently, they, they found a mermaid at Skinning Grove once years ago. And it, it's not the thing I'm going to be looking into, but I found it interesting when you're doing a bit of research on area. But this guy saw something unusual as a young man, and it's just stuck with him ever since. And it's that's that's just the way it goes. I mean, you just don't know what what's going to be thrown at you, do you?
0: Now, what, um, what, what did he see, can you...
1: In yeah, your- Crosipan, yeah. The, he, he, he was f- 14 at the time, so a young guy, and he's about 30 now, 32, uh, first name Sam, Who we went changed his name, that's his name, he's gone on film, he's, he's given his uh, account, he said, uh, it's a little village, and there's no dense woodlands, but there's a small wood on the outskirts of the village. He says, and all the children would play just, I don't know, we've all done it, hide-and-seek and all sorts of games. I mean, they might not do it today because it's it's all iPads in it and uh, computer games. However, that's what they were doing. He said there was a disused railway cabin uh, by the side of a, I'm not sure if he said football field, but a bit of open land. probably played football on it, but I don't think a true football field in that effect.
2: Yeah.
1: There were an all-in roof. He said, and odd times, he said, we'd light a fire inside it. Doesn't seem right clever that right lighting a fire inside a wooden, book, does it? But no. the wood. So he said we'd like this kids. He says we'd light a fire inside it. He said, "Anyway, we're playing this game of hide and seek." So there's a, all village kids are involved in it. Let's assume there's eight or nine. He didn't say an exact number. He said, "And I got tucked away in a little bit of undergrowth in this wood." So there's nettles and brambles around me, and I'm in it. There's just trees. He says, it's not dense. So it's dark. And I know that they're searching for, not just me, but for others. He says, and I'm sat there. He says, and it's all tucked away. He said, and I heard a, a, a twig break. He said, and I just thought, you know, it could be one of my friends. Could be. He says, and I heard another twig break. He said, that's what it sounded like, just snap. He said, and then I heard a loud crack. He said, and I just looked. He says, and it sat there, about six or eight foot away from me this huge thing he says have you ever seen a gorilla when they sit the silverbacks when they're sitting that stance with their arms down so I think he said he got small ears so he's not talking about we, we, we primarily we're talking about the the werewolf the dogman phenomena with wolf oh. but we've included this account he said and it's monstrous he said honestly he says I think its shoulders were as wide as what I am tall he said it was huge this thing and all I can see is its black outline I can't see teeth I can't see eyes he said, but there's a bit of moonlight, not a full moon. He says, and he said, Have you ever seen a dog when it looks, when it's heard a noise and it's curious and it kind of does that way, it's head? Yeah, he it says, at, yeah, he says, When I looked at it it, it, it did that. He said, And I'm just sort of stunned, you know, for a moment. He said, And then I'm just off on my toes and I'm running like mad, thinking I'm running for my life. Mm. There's no aggression from this thing. What's interesting. And I don't know how this ties in with story, but it's just another quirky bit. So he's just left that and he's running for the, the railway hut. As he's running for the railway hut, a lot of the, the young people, that his friends, are running out of the railway hut screaming, okay. claiming that there was something walking on the roof. And he says, to this day, they've said it was me. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, but it weren't. He said... And, and, and he's, he's on end on end at film, I'm tagged on end, he says, he said, I'd give everything. He says, I uh, think he's a plumber now, betrayed. He says, I'd give all my wages that I've earned from earliest of times to now, to know what that was. Is that passionate, he says. Uh-huh. It didn't it don't mean he said, oh, I think about it every day. He didn't say anything like that, but it's, it's, it's never left his mind. So you've just got one little cameo of probably, what would we say from here in the twig snap? to seeing it and, and just running away. We've probably got a 20-second sighting that's just had an absolute profound effect on his life. Yeah. It really has, you know, to, to the point where he stepped over the threshold and risks, risks a bit of ridicule and wants to share this story. And that's just, that's the, sh- the short one. There's a few short ones in, in the documentary. Mm. But nevertheless, yeah. they, they, they are interesting. I mean, we, we're starting to gather some accounts from mountain bikers which won't go in with there's not enough room Mm. we're we're up to about an hour and a half now and we don't we don't want to keep adding work to it it's it's becoming a bit of a monster really in itself you know getting all information and getting it edited and yeah into some kind of semblance that's going to be entertaining for people Uh, so but it just shows there's going to be more to come from of some form whether it be be writing or whatever but we're getting reports from mountain bikers not just one mountain biker more than one mountain biker uh, and i'll not say a particular area but they've experienced being chased through the forest right. by something that the two of them have said we thought it were a bear yeah. uh, bears in forest of north yorkshire you know and uh, you know so mind you we say that how, how crazy i've just what a thing to say we t- I'm talking about people who are seeing things with with the description of a werewolf or a dog man, as people like to call it. Mm. And I'm saying, there's no bears in forest. I mean, they can't be real. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, it's-
0: yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because obviously, I mean, you know, most people now are of the opinion that um, the big cats that are seen are um either released or escaped exotic animals from you know years ago and we, we had a we had a chat about this didn't we on the on the first the first, yeah. first time you came on the podcast which which was really interesting i mean who knows um you know, <laughs> you know Captain Craig, bears captive bears may have been released at some trouble, point trouble
1: is wouldn't there be carnage do you know i mean uh, we know that the, a bear then let's assume let's play with the idea that they that's what people are seeing First of all, they're not just carnivorous, they're omnivorous. So yeah. there, there would be vegetation, wouldn't there? Mm. But there's enough there's enough sort of static wildlife, as in sheep and cows and horses, mm. to, to to we would think that these things would have predated on something like that at some stage.
0: And, and deer even, as well, obviously. Yeah, deer as well, you know.
1: Yeah, but I mean, think how easy it would be to catch farm animals compared to a road deer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I, I don't see it with the bear. I seriously don't see it. I do, I do think there's some kind of paranormal aspect. And but jumping to the cats, you, you know, you, you like you said, 1976, where the Dangerous Animals Act came in, and the people allegedly—well, re- they did—they released their pets or their exotic animals into the wild so it it is possible but 1976 they must have been breeding Craig because the average lifespan of a big cat and I think is is between 14 and 17 years in the wild yeah so I mean and we're talking 1976 so you know they'd have they'd have been gone now so i said to say there isn't breeding pairs I got a report on Monday from I spoke to the guy today, and, and a friend of mine called Mick Tate put me on to this guy. Uh, on Monday, he was in York with a friend and the, pulled into a, a, a field, at a, a, the edge of a field. He want, he needed a wee, basically. And it was were, it were late at night, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And the, the both got out at car and they decided to look at stars and what have you well they, they just pulled in. And this is on outskirts of York. Uh, I haven't got the exact location yet. We've only spoke today. He said, but they were an horrible smell. He said, and I thought this smells vile. Mm. He said, but then we then we became aware of he said, and there's no woods. He says there's edge row, thick edgerow, of heavy branches crack bright breaking. And now these guys are pest control officers. That don't make them wildlife experts, he says, but we, we, you know, we we know about foxes and we know about badgers and things. He says, this was really heavy. He says, and then all of a sudden there's a very, very, says the rib cage on whatever it was. And he believes it were a cat. He says, you know, he knows nothing about what I do, by the way. He didn't even know I wrote the books. You know, because I said, can I use your name and can I write about this? And he says, why? What did you do? What do you do? It's just a friend who's put me on to this guy. And he believes, he says, this is the depth of the rib cage to produce this really deep growl. He says, frightened us. He says, we got back in the car. He says, so we sat in the car for a bit. He says, but then when we put the car headlights on and started to they're just gone into a field entrance, he says, there's an half eaten deer.
0: All Right.
1: So what a big cat. Do you know, I mean, chances are it...
0: Yeah, probably is.
1: Yeah, so... so I don't know if you're aware, I I did ask him if uh, it was close to Garaby Hill on the outskirts of York, and he's not certain. We're going to find out. He'd he'd gone there with his friend, uh, so he's not familiar with area. Where I'm going to get all this information off him. But the reason I ask about Garabiel is because the woods running parallel. Well, the wood on the left-hand side, as you go up Garabiel, there's been deer found in trees, you know, within the branches of trees right. in that wood, which suggests right. yes. there's a catting area. And another place a little bit further on, which could be the same animal, hmm. is, is called Weaverthorpe. And Weaverthorpe would probably be about seven or eight miles from Garabiel. And there's a farmer there found deer in trees. You know, uh, they don't talk about this a lot, you know. I mean, it's not something... You, you know, you get a, a sensationalist story of a big cat scene in, in one of major papers, mm. and you see a cat and you look at grass that it's again, and you think to yourself, yeah, that's just a big house cat. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but, but I mean, the, tr- the, the actual genuine ones rarely get talked about in, in that context. You know, the, the farmer that finds the deer in the trees has not... I mean, that would be quite a scoop to sort of take pictures of those animals, set a webcam up and see. But they're not bothered. Oh. They, they, they're more bothered about farming and their livestock. I, I've been told by one farmer that he shot one.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, because he'd lost some sheep.
0: That's yeah. more interesting to them. But uh, I don't know. We're just... Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in my experience, they, they are very guarded about what they they will talk about, Um I mean, there was, there's been instances of. Uh, I mean, we know Todmorden around here for me is an area where there's been a lot of um, activity, and there are farmers who historically have lost a lot of uh, livestock who won't speak to people about it. They just, yeah. they're just not interested in speaking to folk. Um, and I think, and, and and again, using that as an example, there was. Um, I think, I, th- I think the fear of ridicule comes into it as well because. Yeah. The Tobin and local paper last year ran a story about um, a big cat. It it was a big black, it was described as a a big black puma, in effect, um, that jumped over a a dry stone wall onto a a road, tarmac track, in front of um, a group of walkers, and then jumped over the um, the dry stone wall on the other side of the road <laughs> d- disappeared off, you know, down into the into the fields and and, and the woods and what have you. Um, and this, this was run in the Tobin and Paper. And, of course, the the comments section, mm. you know, it was just ridicule after ridicule. It's
1: ripped after ridicule. people to bits, doesn't it? You know, yeah. I mean, and, and you, you see, you used to see more, I wouldn't say so much on social media such as Facebook, but there'd be these... I don't know what they'd call them on the internet, but be like a, a, I don't know, a Bridlington group or a Filey group, and it's like a message board. Yeah, and they'll be like you've just said, a UFO spotted, and then you've got it. Just seems to bring out the comedians. It does, yeah. Who, who I absolutely love. I don't know. There's no thought goes into it, and we do realize that there are researchers out there that uh, would believe every every passing satellite is a yeah. is a visitor from planet whatever planet but, X. yeah but that's not always the case Craig is it you know and uh, you know it, but it, it ruins it for the people who like to take it a little bit more serious but yeah I mean uh,
0: we sort of do a bit more due diligence on these things don't we? we try and we try and get to the bottom of it a little bit more whereas
2: yeah.
0: um, I think there are a lot of um, researchers out there who are in it purely to make a fast book yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't, I certainly don't make a fast book out of this. No, yeah, there's not um, there's five books, and
1: I've, you're not making a, you'd never make, you'd never, you wouldn't survive if you wanted money off them five books. Let's put it that way. No, and, not. you know, but uh, you don't do it for those reasons, do you? You know, you're doing it because you wanted to just get that relevant information, relevant to what yeah. Craig's doing, relevant to what Paul's doing. Just Just before we move from cats, you know, we're talking about, more more than likely that they are uh, ex-captive animals that have bred. But there's there's also, there is a strange kind of element to them uh, that, uh, and I'll just cite one example I've done numerous times, and I might have even spoke to you about it, but there's a lane between Bempton and Bridlington, here in, close to where I live, called Short Lane. Uh, I'm short because it's about a mile long, and it's just got intermittent, or thorn edges, you know, you might have 20 foot of edge and then 40 foot of open land where you've just got this single track road and fields either side of it. There's nothing.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. Over the years, the the archives in the Bridlington Free Press and people reporting seen Big Black Cat on that lane. Mm. And it's it's weird. I've got a lady who will walk in her horse. To stable it to 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 a, a neat by farm and she come onto the corner and I said where are we she said short lane she said and it's laid in the grass and it hissed at the horse the horse saw it kind of didn't rear up and run away uh, you know she, and then they carried on walking but sh- once again short lane I don't know I don't understand the significance of short lane there's no cave system there's no tunnels it's got nothing there yet it throws up. Big cat sightings it also throws up UFO sightings do, yeah. do you know and substantial UFO sightings 2000 and, 2006 i believe some a young man who lived in bempton uh i actually went to to his property i'm not so sure where it is uh to speak to his parents because i were asking if there'd been any cat sightings this is ironic because it weren't to do with short lane this and uh, this I, I bumped into the sun have been about Thirty-two, excuse me, 32, 33 at the time. He says, oh, no, he says, I don't know about any of that. He says, but I've seen a UFO. Right. Really? I says, He says, yeah, would you allow me to record you? Not because I want to trap him. I, it's just brilliant for reference when you're writing something up. So I did. And I says, where did you see it? And he said, well, it was my first car. He said, and I've got a BMW, an old BMW. He said, and there'd be, I don't know. I don't know. I, probably insurance would have been worth a lot more than car. And he said, me and a few friends would go into Bridlington, into town. He says, and obviously they think that they're the the one, aren't they? The young yeah, lads, sort of late teens, early twenties, and they've got the car. He says we'd cruise about, uh, not really doing any damage to anybody, and then we'd go home. He says, and this back to Bempton. He says this particular night we went up Bempton Lane and we went across Short Lane, which we've just been describing. And he says, I don't know what time after eleven. He said, and as we're driving along, obviously, it's, it's absolutely devoid of light. And it's a single track with a few passing places, nothing on it. He says, and this thing just went straight past us on the road. Literally, this object just zoomed straight past us. It's like as fast as a B, he says. I says, OK, yeah, yeah. He says, and we all sort of, I put the brakes and I says, a few words. And what were that? We're looking. And next thing it's back and it's above the car. He said, and it's coming down. It's, and i think he said he'd got gold and blue panels that were turning just just revolving quite large bigger than his car he says and it's just coming down he says and we're absolutely bricking it he says it's, it's we're frightened he says and it's just about to touch road he says it's that close he says and then it just went, and all we always saw what a just a literally a trail and it had gone but short lane you know it's 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 crazy that that particular location then you think to yourself how many that's in in the in the grand scheme of things that's just me being told a few stories how many more are out there you know Craig I I think there will be more out there you know and it's it's no different where the place that you're involved in and the places that you're looking into and the things that happen in Accrington am I right that's said that right (laughs) You know, so so for every story you get, I, I, I'd like to bet there's twenty or thirty oh, people yeah. that are just sitting on them, saying nothing because they're not going to leave themselves vulnerable to ridicule, which is what you've just said earlier.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, how, how do you feel about? Do, do you ever get approached by? Well, I, I assume you've been approached by the press, um, yeah. especially the local press. I mean, how do you feel about talking to local press? The only reason I'm asking is because I was approached by. Um, Uh, a a reporter from the Lancashire Evening Telegraph um, a couple of weeks ago, and I did a very short radio interview. But I felt quite uncomfortable doing it Yeah, um, because I wasn't 100% sure of what her motives really were. Yeah, I actually haven't gone to look on the website to have a look what she's put on in case it's something that I don't like. It's strange that that, that is that's a fact, you know. You,
1: you know, with the books, we'll jump to that in a moment. But with books, you, you might have 50 good comments and you might have one bad comment, and you only remember bad one, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the nature of, of humans, I suppose, of, of us. But uh, there's, I mean, in past, the free press, the and free press have been very good with me, mm. uh, to be honest. We had. Not really ridiculed. When I wrote the first book, they put advert in for me saying, "You know, author of unexplained phenomena is writing a book. Anybody want to come forward with any stories?" And I got a few stories. I got thought through through that, and there's there's one in Hornsey that's done the same. Uh, there's there's another paper, the Bridlington Echo. They seem they seem okay, but I'd I'd be very dubious about the bigger papers. I've been approached quite a quite a few times, to be honest with you, because it always seems. The, the there's a ridicule slant to it mm. and you've, you've no power over it. And, and it's, I suppose it's like anybody who, can, who writes, they, they, they can turn what you've said into a bit of a joke just by tagging a few words of their own at the end of it, their views and comments. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you t- talk about, you know, do, does Craig think aliens are visiting mm. uh, you know, Accrington? And we asked Craig, and you know, with a sly smile, Craig said no. And that sly smile—it means a lot to people who are reading it and thinking, like, yeah. you know, I don't know. You know, it's 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 difficult.
0: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's just so—it's just—it's just the wording, isn't it? It's just those extra yeah. words, or or the inference in a in a sentence can completely change the way that somebody would would view you as a person they might suddenly read that and think well actually this guy's a bit of a crank or yeah um you know he's a bit of a nutcase, or or whatever um um yeah it's it's interesting is that because i I, i'm always quite wary of of reporters to be honest um but anyway yeah no that's no well we'll we'll move on then to some more uh stories from truth (laughs) proof Um, any recent investigations or anything that that particularly strikes you as interesting that went in the book?
1: Well, I, I were amazed. Originally, I was going to write two books, right. so there were one going to be similar to Truth the the, the Truth Proof books, should we say, and I was going to write one solely on cryptids, uh, you know, the the bipedal fur covered whatever you want to call them, uh, but. I just I felt a bit saturated. I'd sort of I've done five in kind of five years, mm. and I and Brand knew I'd got enough material, combining the UFO-related information and the cryptid information, to to sort of push together this book. And it, but it's turned out there's a lot more cryptid-type reports in it than UFO reports. But that, I mean there's there's still plenty of each. But uh, no, it's just it's a mix. they they're all they're all. All the books are much the same. Some some of my views have changed from, from book one, two and three, uh, on various things. When I wrote book one, you, as you know, we've got the disused RAF base mm. uh, on the East Coast here, RAF Bempton, which I, I always say is strictly out of bounds for public, so I'm not recommending anybody go on the base. I always say that. Uh, but in the first book, because... In the late 1970s, mid to late 1970s to the 1990s, it, there was rumours that it had been used by a satanic cult. Right. So, that, that, so when truth Proof one, should we say that's it were rumours, you know, and it were just just tall stories that it might have been used by a satanic cult. And then in book two, I found more information. That pointed in the direction that it definitely was. Book three, there were no, there were no women an and Irish. We'd got it. it, you know. I'd actually spoken to somebody who'd been involved in it, and uh, they'd got away from it because, they, they, the, originally whatever was happening down there, it, it, it had started off as, uh, Alistair Crowley type, uh, ritualistic magic yeah if, okay. if magic's the word but then it, it became a lot darker and they, they were apparently trying to summon demons and this guy got out of it and i visited him in, in his home uh i was with chris turner actually we both visited the guy and uh he he gave me information i went and saw him a few times afterwards and uh i was told in no uncertain terms that they're still operating i'm not going to say where right. but it's not there anymore and uh he's not involved in it but uh, pretty dark stuff and then I've got a witness who I've not managed to get on film who actually saw Animal Sacrifice down there you know I hope that's not too strong for your podcast here Craig you know uh, you know I know we've not said anything graphic have we and I don't need to say any more than that no but, I mean so these,
0: he, these things happen don't they unfortunately so well
1: he went down there with a friend because it was kind of a rite of passage for teenagers, you know, when there were years ago, when it were open, as yeah. in you could actually access it, uh, be illegally, by the way. I mean, I never did that, but, uh, you know, I, well, I were not living there as a team, but what I'm saying is a lot of the local people from Bridlington and Flamborough found their way onto, onto the bunker and in, into it to look at this underground complex, if you want to call it a complex, because I think it got, literally got burnt out, but, The walls are festooned with uh, erotic graffiti, which is—I don't know if you've looked online, have you?
0: No, no, I am not sure. it's
1: it's it's quite interesting. A lot of it's been smashed now, and and Mm and and kind of defaced because it were really well, it were really good artwork, but uh, very graphic. I'll be googling uh, that afterwards. Yeah, yeah, it were good artwork, but very graphic. But I mean, a lot of. The people, I would not say researchers, missed the fact that there's a lot of uh, tetragrams on walls. There's yeah. there's runes. There's all sorts of uh, symbolism on the walls as well. But as I say, um, I just I don't want to labour on this cult for too long. But uh, you know, it's been suggested that they were responsible, or could it be some kind of satanic cult? Not necessarily there. That ceased to function as that kind of thing since the 1990s, sealed oh. over now, it's concreted over. But it was suggested that were they responsible for the animal
2: mm.
1: mutilations that were taking place in 2017 18 uh, up and around Bempton, Flamborough, and Speighton? But no, I, you know, I'm I'm not sort of the, the law on this, but be, being the person who were absolutely boots on the ground at half past four, half past five in the morning finding these carcasses. Mm. And, and, and I literally were, for the farmer, uh, nothing to do with unexplained phenomena. I, you know, I went into this asking him if he'd let me help him. Yeah. People did not do that. The, the, whatever was responsible for killing them animals, it was not people. Our, you know, I mean, I don't know how deep you want to go into it like that, but... Uh, <clears throat> it's, uh,
0: well, no, not not... Not too deep, I don't think. To be honest, Paul.
1: It's, no, no, no. I think I think you're right. I think I think you're right because it is it is graphic, and when yeah. when you're finding them, I mean, I spent over two years up there, mm. you know, finding these unfortunate animals, should we say? Yeah, with, I mean, uh, we've
0: we've we've sort of chatted, haven't we, in the past about how um the 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 wounds are certainly look surgical and and they're all the same sort of wounds and interestingly you know when when you were telling me about some of the animal carcasses that you found over over your way it was ringing bells with me as to what I'd heard has been happening over here especially the one at Todmorden with with the car a couple of years ago very very similar so um you know it's 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 a subject that I do find very interesting, but I think you know, going into the, the real sort of ins and outs, it's of, dark, it's dark, Craig. It's dark. You're right, yeah, it is. You know, so I I'm gonna say, let's try and lighten it up then. And, and... yeah, let's light it up <laughs> get me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to um, to, to, to lights in the sky, then to lighten it up. I mean, you have a, an awful lot of sightings over the North Sea, don't you? Out from um, well. Bempton's a place that, that that you've mentioned a lot. Uh, Flamborough Head is quite close by, isn't it? Yeah, um, mile
1: and a half, mile and a half down coast. So we're all in the same proximity. If you if you consider that Flamborough Head is a mile and a half that way, yeah. to the right, and Speaton's a mile and a half, a mile to the left. Yeah, area of sky, twenty two miles you can see to horizon. You've you wherever they're
0: appearing. You're, you're, you're in that zone. Do you think uh, it does have anything to do, then, with the old Air Force Base? Do you think do you think that's a factor? I don't know. Isn't it
1: unusual that old military installations and new military inst- in military installations seem to attract unexplained phenomena, lights and, and UFOs? And, and, you know, Staxton Wold is a prime example. Uh, remind me about Staxton in a moment. We'll stay on lights over at sea. But, uh, you know... Jason Davis, who did the cover for Night People, came up just after Christmas, and uh, he wanted to spend a few days in area, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I spent some time with him. But this particular night, we both got these psionics cameras. I don't know if people are familiar with them, but for what they can do, they're still quite expensive, but for what they can do, basically, they can see in dark where a lot of cameras can't, right. but they only film in 720p, but, but they're, they're good value for money. So my camcorder is worth a lot more, but this thing at a £1,000 can see a lot better in dark. Do you you know what I'm saying? So basically, this particular night, Jason sort of dropped on, I don't know, a a really good few days to stay because we've got these orange spheres appearing in the sky. And we, we went up to the back of Flamborough Lighthouse and you'd see one appear, just lights up like a big globe. So unfortunately, that's the drawback of these cameras it lights up white in the camera, it's bright orange, Do you know? Uh, then, I don't know, it's hard to get a perspective because they're out there, in, you know, out in the North Sea. It only looks like that far, but it, it could be two miles away, another one appears, then another one, and then they just switch off. They're not flying away from anywhere, they're not coming in from anywhere, and that's the nature of them. That's what the rock anglers have been seeing for decades and decades. These are the, these are the things that the... Coast Guard get call-outs for and then charge the lifeboat to, from Flamborough, Filey, Bridlington because they've seen, a member of the public or Coast Guard or a police officer has seen orange lights out at sea so they're assuming that there's a ship in distress, a yeah, aircraft yeah. and, or and like that. yeah. But yeah, I mean common sense, they've got to act on it because they can't deny that they've seen it but common sense dictates that these aren't flares, mm. they're literally lighting up I just switch it off, you know, and or lighting up and going into a multiple. I mean, there's a there's a photograph that I've got from a guy called Brian Lancaster. I don't know if I spoke to you about it. I, I might not have done. He's, he's a he teaches photography,
2: yeah.
1: and he brought some students up to Flamborough Head. I uh, don't know how many. Let's assume three or four, and he was doing time lapse photography. Now he's the expert, I'm only repeating what he's told me and I've got the photograph, and I've got the raw image and everything, which is good. He took it on a Nikon camera, so he sets a tripod up, tripod up and he's taking photographs, 30-second time-lapse photograph. So what, gathering as much light to create these fabulous, I don't know, unearthly, uh, 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 sort of other-earthly scenes of the coves of and things. So he's taking this photograph and eight seconds in one orange light appears and he kind of points it out to his students. What, what's, what's that? Because he's not flown in from anywhere. And I don't know, 15 seconds in another one appears at the side of it. They're, they're sort of at a two o'clock position and <coughs> 28 seconds in, I think that's when he said the third one appeared and he's thinking, God, oh, I hope I'm going to get this in a photograph because there's nothing staged. He could, he, he, he'd not gone looking for this. He'd gone to do, Teaches students about these in a place that will produce these evocative photographs, Mm. and you know, snapped at thirty seconds, he's got it. But what the photograph proves, because there's no motion blur, they're just there. They haven't flown from anywhere. He said you'd have seen a trail. You know, this is the expert, not me. Mm. They've not they've not flown away when you know because they were they'd actually vanished when when it took the picture. And yet we've got three solid-looking orange lights in in the sky. So it, it, for the skeptic,
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: it's an hard one for him to de, to debunk. You know, when I'll talk about these lights and say, oh, you're seeing afterburners, oh, you know, it's meteorites, or yeah, all manner of things people will come up with. That one will take some beating because <laughs> the photograph itself, and he's given me all the data. So when i've done it as say i'm going to talk at awakening and i'm going to actually speak about that photograph not in any great length just for a few minutes but i've put the full yeah. bunch of data at the side of the photograph so people anybody with knowledge of photograph photographic knowledge can sort of analyze that and think yeah i don't know how this is because he said he come out he said them lights must have been kind of just projecting forward from somewhere and then switching off he said but he said if you've Shine a torch into the darkness, you'll see a beam.
0: Yeah.
1: He said, "Well, there's nothing from them. So it's an interesting photograph, you know?
0: Yeah, there's no trail or anything like that from
1: them. And the, the lights are typical, what he's got, the lights are typical
0: hmm. of,
1: of what people are seeing. And, uh, you, you know, I, I don't want to do a repeat of what we did la- on last chat that we did and t- talk about the same stuff, but did I t- speak about the, myself and Lee Haywood seeing that huge sphere on the hillside?
0: I don't think so, no. No,
1: no. no, It's I mean, I've gone up there for years and years and, and, you know, spent far too much time up there than I ought to do, and I'd go up with Bob Brown and other people, and Lee Haywood's a good friend of mine and he's he's a bit of a sceptic, but in a a decent way. There's no sarcasm, but he'd heard me on about the lights and he he thought he'd be able to explain what they were. He's got a lot of military knowledge, so... And he he knew what aircraft were in the sky, he knew what military planes might have been, well, not might have been, would have been there, if any. He could even tell you names at boats out on horizon. He'd got everything sort of weighed up, and I picked him up. We're going up Cliff Lane, which takes you to the RSPB Nature Reserve. And he said to me, he says, go on then, Paul, just describe what these lights are like. And this is how it is. And I just, I went like that. You know, honestly, and, and I, you shouldn't, I, I, well, you shouldn't swear on your kids' lives, but that's that's, that's what it, and he went, and he said he, he didn't say it at the time. He says, as soon as I saw it, I thought, I don't know what that is. And it just looks like a large, bright orange globe in the sky, but it's not throwing any light out like a flare would yeah. to, to illuminate the area. That switches off. We park the car. We go down to the, cliffs set up, I set a camera up, put some over it because it's a lot of moisture in air. And uh, over a period of a few hours, we saw them in various places out over at sea. But then, I turn around to speak to Lee, and as I turn around, on the, there's a hill about 100 yards away, just gradual slope on it. and in, in front of the hill, just above the ground, there's a huge orange sphere. literally, Lee estimated to be about 80 yards away. And he, he, his words were, I think it were about as big as a Volkswagen Beetle. It were huge. Yeah, and I'm sure. going, whoa, what? And I'm trying to tell him and he's looking. And he's, 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 we're both looking at this thing. I've got my camera. And as, as fast as I'm looking at it and trying to get my camera on, it's just imploding and it's gone. And fascinating. And, and right now Lee, Lee's sort of... I would not say converted, but Lee realizes there's something more to these lights. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and it, and it's the awareness because as I say I go up there all the time with Bob Brown, and we can go up for six months and see nothing, and then all of it. You'll take somebody, and something happens. Mm. So let's use that hill as an example. This this sphere of light, and please tell me if I because I, if I'm repeating a story, I think I might have told you about the rock angler, mm. who. No, okay. 1998, he claims that he were in a fishing match. Mm. And a spaceship, his words were spaceship. He says it landed on that hill over there. So he told us because me and Bob were up in the on the clifftops in the night and we can see the distant light of a rock angler. It's probably another one half a mile away. Mm. I said, he's on is coming up this way, Bob. I said, when he gets a bit closer, I'll put a light on. I don't want to startle him. So when it, I put the light on and he sort of draws up as a natter to us. And uh, he knew who I was because I know quite a few anglers and they'll have asked about these lights for me. And his name's Mick Sigson, this guy. And I says, how many years have you been fishing up here then? He says, 49 years, 50 years this year. okay. Imagine how old he is and they get the climb over fence and they they literally stand on edge of a sheer drop that ranges from... 80 foot to 420, depending where you are along them cliffs. Yeah. The, then they've got to try and get the line into sea and catch fish. I know. <coughs> anyway,
0: trackers in it. <laughs>
1: yeah. So it is. I asked him if he'd seen the lights, which he said, he. I explained what they were like, and he said he'd never seen them. He says, but I've seen some unusual things. Then he says, and we were again the hill. Mm. This is before me and Lee Haywood saw that. He said, uh, He said, I've seen a spaceship land on that hill. It says it were 1998 and it were in a fishing match. It says and the anglers that were close by just did a runner, We just left. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, it says at first I thought it were a combine harvester. He oh. said, I'm looking, what's a combine doing up there in November? It says, then I realized there's a gap between the land and it, and it just come down and landed. So the hill throws up
0: a lot of strange anomalies. Uh, is it is it a natural hill, yeah. or is it, or, or do you think it, it could be some sort of earthworks from? I, I think it's a natural it hill. It, right? I think I think it's a natural hill uh, because
1: when you actually get on top of the hill, there's not a hill at other side. It's do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. It's, it's curved and it's almost like you're looking at the front of a big hill and you would expect it to be the same at other side, but then the land just kind of tapers off just into farmland. Yeah. So uh, you know. I don't know what year it was. It, well, it was 2019. Plus, I know what year it was. Uh, why did I say that? It was February the eighth. Nice. And how do I know that? Because I've just been doing this presentation. Right. <laughs> uh, one of my one of our daughters, Gemma, was staying with us for a few weeks, and uh, she's not really interested in TV soaps and t- none all that kind of stuff. And she's not really interested in unexplained phenomena. But I think out of the two, she thought, "Well, I'll come up and s- see what this is all about with Bob and my dad." you know Bob Brown and my dad's as in me so we went up and it's dark and uh, I've got quite a powerful torch and I'm just busy getting my camera set up looking out to sea and getting a cover over it and I can hear Bob and Gemma talking and Gemma says what's that over there Bob what's that light over there and she's got torch I didn't I would only I would just I could hear it you know in background I'm not really because oh it's a board on a fence post And uh, then he realises, because he's up there all the time, there isn't a board on a fence post up there, which would be about three or four foot off ground, just, you know, panel. So he puts his torch on it, and immediately they both said this thing just dropped at floor and vanished. It's a white square, which is odd. It doesn't kind of make sense, does it? You know, what could that have been? Because, you know, so what, what makes this even more interesting for me, that night... Um she stayed up watching tv we went to bed so it takes it over into february the 9th which will make sense in a minute and she says i'm watching tv she said no oh like the back of her you've got a solid brick wall you've got a hallway behind that and another brick wall the hallway is ours is that you know it's, it's all within our home i've converted this to flats but the lady had moved out from the so there's nobody above and the soundproofed anyway she says "No." I thought, what's that noise? She said, I thought I could hear thunder and I turned the TV down. Then I realised that right behind me, there's something growling. She said, and and she said, it was terrifying. She said, oh, absolutely. She said, it was so loud. It was as loud as thunder, she said, and it was absolutely terrifying. And it's unusual for her to come out with something like that. Do you know what I mean? I've wrote Night People and I've wrote about all my experiences uh, from childhood to present day. And there's been a few weeks two daughters that things have happened. Yeah. But nothing, nothing with her. Do you know what I mean? Did she so, see anything
0: then, Paul? Did she, no,
1: she never that. saw a thing. She never saw a thing. i must have
0: been she,
1: though. She said it were absolutely... She said, I've been scared before, I've been frightened before, but never like that. Mm. She said it sounded demonic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in her words, you know... And it just makes you wonder, I mean, if we if we kind of jump to other side of the world and look at Skinwalker, mm. and, you know we hear about the people that go there and allegedly bring attachments back with them. So some kind of demonic, some kind of, I don't know, residue of what's occurring there comes back with them and things affect them. And I'm just seriously considering the fact that that could be what's happened. Now, as I said to you that she saw it on February the 8th, but it bled over into February, February the 9th, the experience. Wow. The reason I say that is... And I will have spoke about this before, but the, the two ex military guys that went onto the clifftops and saw what they alleged was a werewolf in 2019. That's yeah, 2019. Gemma's were 2020, but it was February the 9th. Right. So there's a year between, but the same dates. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's fascinating.
0: Peculiar. Yeah, it's peculiar, isn't it? I mean, it's almost like, is there some sort of. Um... I mean, let's go completely left field with this. I mean, is there some sort of portal? Have you seen some sort of portal open, something come out, something followed you, attached itself? Is it doing it regular that day? I mean, have you been back on, on that day in subsequent years to see if...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, there's another date, June. There's a date in June that's thrown up quite a lot of anomalies. June the 15th. Uh, June the 15th saw a... a there's a tragedy, so it shouldn't be. We shouldn't class it as entertainment. But June the fifteenth saw a tornado crash, 1998, just off off Flamborough Head and Bempton, not that far away from the alleged magnetic anomaly. June the fifteenth, 2020, saw the f 15 sea, sea Eagle crash in a similar area. June the fifteenth, when I first wrote about in the first book about the the animal deaths, we'll call them. Mm. uh On around Cliff Lane started with one thing, a triangle in a pea crop, which I took a picture of and dated as June the fifteenth, and everything sent to snowball from there. June the fifteenth, two thousand and eleven, the the wallabies, the first wallaby, little kangaroo at Sobi Park Zoo, a few miles away, was killed. uh Well, I'm not the tool graphic, we, but it, it lost its head.
2: Right,
1: they never found that. Then. There were five, there were six, and then a four more got killed, and they removed the last one for its own safety. Mm. And what I find interesting uh, on June the thirteenth, the same paper that reported the wallaby were reporting UFO sightings. Uh, you know, literally on opposite page. You know, if you'd open it out, there's UFO sightings in Flamborough, which is just a few. Do we connect the two? Uh, the connected in paper by by print. But yeah. we can't say that A is responsible for B. But it's interesting, isn't it? Mm. But then, if we then if we expand on that, and just stay with the wallabies of all things, <laughs> throughout the UK, wallabies got decapitated. Right. in 2011 in small animal parks, Hanwell, Hanwell Bunny Park, or Cotswolds. Yeah. You know, I did I did lots of research and rang lots of animal parks up. And, uh, you know, obviously I didn't ring them up and say, oh, has this happened? I'd I'd actually got a bit of a lead looking in local papers. Yeah. But then if we expand it further and we go to Australia, New South Wales, Coffs Coast, Emerald Coast, wallabies were suffering the same fate. Weird. What kind of, what, what does that, you know? Do you know, in most instances, a fox was blamed.
2: Right.
1: Fox. Now, I spoke to a dead zookeeper at Sewaby Park Zoo. He, went, he, he took me into office and I sat down told him I was really interested in this, and a fox were blamed. Mm. And uh, he, said, I, he said, a fox has been blamed. He says, but I don't think it would have been a fox. He says, the, most of them were... The, the ones they had were Bennett's wallabies. Interestingly, yeah. most of the wallabies that were killed were Bennett's. These are the biggest yeah. of the wallabies. He, says, he said, a fox I don't think could take one of them. He says, but not only that, the, the cuts were clean. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope your your listeners don't think no. I'm to Macabre,
0: but uh... no, 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 it's interesting. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I had a very long holiday in uh, in Australia a few years back, and uh, and I, I, I came into very close contact with with wallabies and kangaroos and all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, cassowaries and you yeah. name it. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, wallabies are, are quite. They're quite substantial. I mean, they're not as substantial as a kangaroo. I mean, I was six foot no. two, and a kangaroo stood up in front of me, and it towered over me when it went up on its hind legs. Yeah. Um But I mean, you see, you see wallabies all all over the place. I mean, they're obviously, you know, in in wild herds, if that's if that's the the, the correct yeah. adjective to use for them out there, and they are quite substantial animals. So, you know, just just by your description, I I wouldn't have thought a fox could have could have. No. De- could have Decapitated an animal that size. Well,
1: you know, they were a little bit, they were a little bit more sarcastic in Australia with when the yeah. fox was used as an example, and some of the papers said, "We're looking for a fox with a samurai sword." <laughs> do, 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 do you know? Yeah. Uh, so, in, in, you know, and I mean, the zookeeper were keen to point out that they only blamed a fox because they'd seen a fox round the zoo. Yeah. But they'd yeah. also seen a fox round the zoo over a period of years. Mm. Do, do you know what I mean? And uh, you, you, I, all you were doing, and all these people are doing, they're not doing anything wrong, but they're, they're actually looking for most plausible explanation. Yeah. And uh, even if even if the cuts and the wounds suggest that it couldn't be that, it's it's still far more plausible than to suggest that some unknown phenomena's doing it basically i mean that's a bit of a sweeping statement because we haven't got a clue you know all the time i were on them fields in 2017 and we're not going to dig deep into this i promise you but i never found out what we're doing it i've not got a clue do do you know and 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 voices unnatural voices I, I, i heard them once and that was pretty unnerving i went into wood early one morning and excuse me and i heard robotic voices it was that's what it sounded like yes. so and, and some people said well here's the most plausible one could it have been a walkie-talkie there's somebody in in amongst the bracken and that's a possibility and, you know but it, it did unnerve me yeah and with the farmer or where i were parking my vehicle he had he's got a bit of a hard standing and you know decking area and he said to me before i'd heard the voices in the early morning. He said, I'm sat out here the other night having a drink of tea, summer's S- evening, and there's corn at the side of his uh, decking, a big field of corn. So as, as you know, anybody with half a brain would know, if you walk in it, you're going to leave a trail. Uh-huh. He said, I'm sat here, he said, and uh, I can hear voices in corn. I said, well, what do you mean voices? Are you sure it weren't like an echo or something carrying? He says, no. I says, ah, 15, 20 foot away from me, and I can hear them. I'm... I'm and there's nothing. It's just flat, level, tight packed field of corn. Don't bear thinking about does it? Well, you know, the, there was something really otherworldly happening mm. up there at that particular time. But don't you think, I don't know about where you research, but but let's throw the net out. Don't you think these things kind of go in waves mm. and it goes a bit flat and it's almost like something's bubbling up and bubbling up and it's gone, it's spilled out onto the land again? Yeah. Do you, What do you think? Craig, do you think it's, do you think it's the location that's allowing different types of phenomena to come through? or do you think that uh, we've got one phenomena that, that's sort of all an, a, an eye of mind kind of thing that can be all things? Is that too much to suggest?
0: I, I think personally, I think your first explanation is is more credible to me. Um, I mean I, I certainly believe that the amount of phenomena that happens over over this way, um, has got a lot to do with the location. It's got a lot to do with, I mean, I've said this many a time, you know, the geology of the land. Um, I mean, we, we spoke last week about Morecambe Bay, for instance, um, and the UFO sightings over Morecambe Bay. Um, the, the proximity of the nuclear power station at Hesham, the proximity of the nuclear power station at Sellafield, or the, the recycling, uh, the plutonium recycling centre as, as, as it is now, I think. Um, but 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 the, the just the geology of, of the bay itself is quite unique, um, and I think I think that that where you are, I think there's there's obviously some sort of unique um, mm. geological phenomena, or there is some it's it's something to do with. I mean, I don't know. You'll you'll know you'll know better than me. Um, something to do with the sea. Something to do with maybe what's on the sea floor. I mean, out out from where you are. I mean, it it was obviously before it was flooded after the ice age. Um, it was it was a whole area of of inhabited land, wasn't it? So yeah, you've
1: got Doggerland you've
0: got out Doggerland, there. Yeah, yes, yeah,
1: and, so. and and another in close proximity. Not that far away there's what's called the silver pit crater mm. which which is i don't know if you've heard of it but it's one oh, of the yeah, biggest impact the people the speculation originally they thought it were an impact crater oh. uh it's it's absolutely huge the, you know they've only done it is it seismic surveys that you know there's no i don't know if people have dove down and can see the significance of it but you can see what this thing was uh, but now they don't know if it's actually the earth underneath it, the ground underneath it, that's give way and created it. But it's all in layers. Right. It's, it's really interesting. If anybody wants to Google the Silver Pit Crater, it's, it's an interesting name, but I can't remember year. Someone tells me it was 1930s, That uh, and I'm probably going to get this wrong. I think it was 1938, 37. But a trawler went off course during, a, obviously trawling for fish, and ended up over the silver pit crater, and they got nets and nets full of these silverfish. Right. So that's why there's no right. there's no there's no UFO element to the silver pit crater or mystical element, as far as I know. It's simply because of the fish that they would catch in that location, and yeah. it was quite by chance that they caught them. You know, I
0: wonder if if there's some sort of magnetic um, anomaly then. That's there is.
1: Yeah. The old maps, uh, and maybe some new maps say it, but they'll say a magnetic anomaly is said to exist in this location. Right. You know, and when I talk to Trollermen, uh, quite a lot of them who I know, I won't say all of them, but many of them have experienced it at one or once or twice in their fishing lifetime. So they'll be fishing, I don't know, 10 to 15 miles off the head, as they call it, Flamborough Head. Mm. And suddenly, compasses just go in daft. Mm. And they, they don't, they know where they are because they're experienced with sea, but it's just nothing's working. Mm. It's just not right. And they'll carry on steaming out, as they say, and they, they go through it. And on the way back, it's not there. And then for another 10 years, it's not there. Mm. So they've, they've, they've encountered this alleged magnetic anomaly, which it says in bottom corners of, of some maps. And it's 18 nautical miles between Bempton and Flamborough that it is out. And what what else is interesting, and I keep pushing this, simply because, you know, some researchers hear you say something, and I don't mean you, I'm on about, you know, something, and and then they just think, oh, that's an interesting play on words, or that's an interesting thing. I'm going to use that. Mm. And, And I've said things, you know, I've said, I'll get to what I'm on about in a minute, but I've said things. And then somebody said to me once, intelligent light forms Well, an author wrote about that in 2011 uh, in his book, and I said, "All right, yeah." So, what what does it mean? So, you're using somebody else? No, I'm not. I said, if you look at 2004, I had a website called ILF UFO Intelligent Light Forms. I Uh, said you want to look at the author and ask him where he's got it from. We're only words; none of us own the words. But what I'm saying is, jumping back to this Uh, magnetic anomaly, I wouldn't say running slap bang through it, but it's it's on prime meridian line as well
0: mm. which is
1: interesting and, yeah. and i don't know whether researchers i haven't i've only stumbled upon this but i don't know whether any researchers have, have looked into that aspect of it because i think it's something that i'll have a look into looking at other other areas of eye strangeness you know yeah,
0: the yeah, yeah.
1: hoyabaku forest loads of different places and uh,
0: yeah, yeah. The similarities I mean, ley lines are, are an interesting phenomenon. So, um, <laughs> again, you know, there's, there's major ley lines. I know major ley lines over your way, as, as there are over here. But it's, it's funny what just just going back a couple of sentences, what, what you were talking about people coming out with the same sentences. Do you, do you not find it amusing, or, or maybe amusing is the wrong word, that, that sometimes you find people plagiarize you, um, yeah. you know, other other investigators, in inverted commas, um, Mm -hmm. latch onto your ideas. um, Mm -hmm. And then then suddenly, you know, they're all over it like a rash. And yet they've no um, logical explanation for what they're talking about. They've no experience um, about what they're talking about. And and yet they're quite happy to plagiarise something that perhaps you've taken a lot of time to research and a lot of time to look into and a lot of time to consider and a lot of time to think about. Um, and then suddenly somebody comes along and pinches your good idea. Do you know? Do you know? Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, uh, you know, ILF UFO, ILF hmm.
1: intelligent light forms. And let's, let's not, forget that, like I said earlier, that we don't own the words, Craig, do we? But it's nice when you, you you know, you think I look at these lights and I don't think, oh, I want to call them a nice name. And people will like that. I'm thinking, Lee Haywood says, what do these lights look like? And I said, like that. And there's something there. It's almost like there's an awareness. There's a rock. There's, uh, we'll stay with this, but I want to make it why I called them that. There's a rock angler up there. Uh, I think it was 2004. Goes up fishing on a crisp winter's night, looking at all the stars, and he sees a very bright one in the heavens and can't place it. he's just he said, but no sooner had I started looking at it then it's on top of me. It obviously, weren't in heavens. And it's lit the ground up around him, like he says, just like a welder's light. And then it's it's gone. And there's an intermind connection. In, uh, that's why I called them. Uh, I, I come up with this intelligent light forms.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I don't mean to think like Craig or Paul or anybody listening to this but it's almost as though there's an awareness mm-hmm. there with them. I mean, the, the same rock angler, not that one, the same one that saw the, claims he saw the spaceship land on the clifftops, myself and Bob, and it were great because Bob were there, I'd already asked him if he'd seen the orange lights, and he said he hadn't in all the years he'd fished there. And when we put the cameras away, because we filmed him and everything talking about this alleged spaceship, two orange lights lit up above us. And I got the camera out, and they went off. You know, so, so something's happening. You know, there's there's some awareness there of, of, of something, but uh, I don't know what it is, and I don't know whether it considers us of as any importance. It might just be the human emotion that's 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 connecting with this mm. great right outer nowhere. I don't know.
0: Could be, yeah. No, it could be. No, it's it's um it's a really good good play on words, is um intelligent life forms. I think yeah, it's, and we, you
1: know, we uh, termed it, the intermind
0: connection. And
1: yeah. I, I don't like, obviously we've got words that, that, encompass everything that we're looking into. And I think it might've been, I, I, I'll probably get it wrong, but it Jenny Randall's will termed something, the Oz factor. Mm-hmm. So when they go into this altered environment that accompanies most unexplained phenomena episodes or, or a lot of them, I mean, not every, every one, but a lot of people report during a UFO incident this, we've entered this strange... I, I'm calling it the lower silence, mm. uh, you know, this strange where everything sort of goes silent and feels compressed and, and, and weird. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and I think that the answers that we're all searching for be spirit in nature, UFO, cryptids, the same element runs through them all. This, the, in, in many instances, this lower silence, this this altered rea- disjointed reality, should we say? So I think the answer lies there. Uh, uh, do, do you know? Uh, because it, all aspects of the phenomena seem to be able to manifest or or, or impose this feeling on mm. the individual that's experiencing it, or individuals, yep. you know, encrypted, you know, that 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 suppresses world it's kind of different you know 1960 yeah. sorry craig oh
0: no 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 i was just going to say i mean i mean we only we only naturally see um a very narrow band of um of of, of light as it were or, or or you know we we see light as 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 how we see it but across the spectrum there is you know we we only see a very small percentage of the whole Spectrum that the universe th- throws at us, both visually and I would imagine audibly as well. And and the, this sort of, to coin, to coin the phrase sixth sense, that some people have, that I think, you know, I have, I think you have, other people I've spoken to who, who've had uh, experiences, I think they have, where they, they sort of shift slightly into a, a different. Um, Consciousness, or a different realm, or the or the seeing a slightly different um, wavelength, which is why these things are appearing almost. And and you know, don't take this the wrong way. Almost on command, you're looking mm. for something, and it appears. so it's, it's, It must be something you're doing. And I'm yeah, not, you're as if you know the royal. Yore, you're no, yeah, no. Maybe way. believing
1: is seeing. Yeah, exactly. You know, if, yeah, if, yeah. if you have an experience that's so profound and and unmistakable do, do, do you know what I mean that it's, it's unmistakable as in it's it's convinced you that there's something else to the to, to what people are claiming they see yeah. then you don't you don't need to question anymore do you no. you know and and so you're you're already going there with that mindset that there's that there's a possibility something could happen and it's an expectancy mm. I don't know it's all I think it taps into us yeah you know as an individual just like i mean i I don't really know much about poltergeists and things like that but it seems to tap into emotion yeah Uh,
2: Yeah.
1: you know the 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 poltergeist phenomena is that the way to pronounce or say it i don't know but um human human emotion be adolescence or or trauma you know as in bereavement uh, I don't now then I'm jumping from poltergeist here to, to ghosts and spirit, but how many times do we hear people say after they've lost a loved one? Mm. And, and I've heard it, and, and I think that's something as a public at large are quite willing to talk about. oh, you know, my dad came to visit me, or yeah. my, yeah. you know, my so-and-so, they sat at the end of the bed and they said everything would be all right. Mm. Is that just some kind of kind of comforting mechanism within us that's mm. that's Helping us, or are they actually
0: having that experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, you it's know, actually, I don't know. No, it's 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 a great subject, and it's uh, it's 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 a subject that I'm very passionate about, and it's something that I've done a lot of research into. So, um, but I mean, I have no answers. Um, I don't think anybody has. But um, yeah, no, that is that is really interesting. Um, you, you mentioned. Um, I'm I'm conscious that that we we are we are getting on in time and. Um, okay. We both we've both got. Right, I'm a 59. We've both got, well, yeah. We've both I've got, not got much left. <laughs> I'm not far behind you. Um yeah, no, we've 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 both got we've both got other things to be doing as well. You mentioned yeah. um Staxton Wald. Come on, just just have... Well,
1: you know, Staxton Wald. I mean this primarily we're in first book, hmm. but even before I wrote the book, I became friends with a farmer up there who'd who'd got I'd got my ILF UFO website. Uh, so I'm documenting things that are being seen all around the area. And this guy got in touch. I didn't know he was a farmer at the time, and uh, he said I'm seeing a lot of UFO activity around the land, around my farm, and out over Sledmere. So I went and met the guy, and, and over a period of two or three years, I, I went, and I spent a, quite a bit of time with, with him and his and his wife, and uh, they'd, he'd got cameras set up in all his windows, back, front, side. Overlooking the wolds and overlooking, they were looking close to the RAF base. They weren't overlooking the RAF base. Uh, and because he lives at the back of RAF Staxton Wold. And he'd... this guy's got more footage of unexplained phenomena than anybody I know. And it's just racked up. It's racked up on uh, I 8 tapes, on little digital tapes, and now on the, the, the more modern camcorders and the orange spheres of light he's got loads of it and you know i'd, I'd say oh, i've filmed something and i'd go i'd go up there and sure enough i'm, I'm viewing his footage but he, he was so precious with it he, and you know i've no dis- disrespect to the guy but he wouldn't he wouldn't let it out to the world and i know you're conscious of time but i'll just give you an example oh, fine. He, he, dis- he he was going to do that so he contacted richard d hall do you know richard the rich planet mm. and uh we were going to show him all the footage and he were going to tell him about everything that were being seen. So Richard came. I'd never met the guy. And I were out this particular day in Dane's Dyke, taking my dog for a walk with wife. And uh, I get a phone call from him. Paul, Paul, uh, uh, I, I don't want to do it. and He's come a long way. And uh, would you talk to him? So I'd literally jumped in my vehicle and drove to drove through onto the walls and i did an interview with richard off the cuff and and we, we used a lot of footage that i would got and it displayed the anybody wants to type it in find richard d hall paul sinclair and you'll see some footage that i had been filming up there but that guy were a prime example uh the activity up there is phenomenal i've been told about activity that's up, happening up there i wouldn't say as we speak because that would be wrong but very recent of uh, there's, there's a lot of strange stuff and you get the cryptid sightings around this area as well, you know, around, there's a place called Forden, which is very close. We're literally half a mile away, little village. And when I say little, I think there's about four houses, It's Forden, and, and then you've got foxholes where I documented the guy traveling home uh, towards Hull and that he claimed that this huge, but it weren't bipedal. It were on all fours running alongside of his Jaguar car. I don't know if anybody's heard me talk about that. to the car chaser and he he just looked and it was there. He couldn't understand on a dark, Mm. Sort of unlit road, bit of moonlight. How this thing were running at side of his car and looking at him. Said it had fangs as
0: big as his thumbs. It was just heard, crazy. I've heard, yeah, I've, I've I've heard a similar one. Um, Winter Hill, exactly exactly the same. Running along the side of a car that that was going down a country lane. Um, this guy reckoned he was doing probably about forty mile an hour, something like that. You know, through the old country lanes and that. Yeah. Um, and he said this this thing was was running at the side of him, keeping up with him um So you know, it, it's it's obviously it's obviously something in it if it's yep. if it's been you know seen in different areas like that. That's um that yeah. That's it, it must be quite discol- discol- it must be quite disconcerting discol- as well. That like, to be honest. Well,
1: good God, yeah. I mean, this it absolutely frightened this guy to death, and. There's there's so many, I mean, you know, and it kind of makes you wonder. There's a there's a hill going up towards Hummenby uh, just out of Flixton, where we get these accounts of what we've called the Flixton. Well, not what we called the Flixton werewolf. And it's called Whitegate Hill. And there's two young women driving down White Gate Hill back home to their home in a place called Muston, and, uh, which is only a mile away from Flixton. And this thing literally jumped into the road in one leap, stopped, kind of froze for a second and then were gone. But the point I'm not... They describe it as looking like the werewolf from uh, Harry Potter. But the point I'm trying to get at, are these things that stupid? That mm-hmm. there's one car on an unlit road and it just happens to land in middle of the road in front of that car? Or is there motive to what they're doing? You know, there's one car driving through foxholes, which is the village where the car chaser thing, what we wrote yeah. about in two, yeah. 3. And this thing happens to be running at the side of his car. You know, the, the, what is the purpose? What would be the purpose of this stupid animal landing in front of a car and then bounding off? West Garth at Caton, which is not far from where these two, Kelly and her sister, have this experience. West Garth, there's a guy driving there uh, with, with his partner in car quite built up it's onto the cars what's you know the flixton lake bed but well, there's all bungalows down the right hand side peripheral vision he catches sight of something coming down the side of a bungalow it kind of jumps to front at Garden. and he says and in the next leap it's in the middle of the road and then it's gone this is literally a mile and a half from where them girls saw it mm. but young women saw it was calling them girls them young women and he described it as having really short thin hair that you could sort of see skin through the skin through and looking wrong or very fast, but just disjointed, just all wrong, just like the the ladies described. Mm. And, uh, is it somewhat resident area? I think, well, it's got to be by virtue of the fact that they're all seeing it in a similar thing uh, in in close proximity. But what is it? What is it? (laughs) It's got me beat. Who (laughs) knows? Yeah.
0: Mm. It's, uh, Maybe that's what Spring Jack was all those years ago in, in Liverpool and in London, you know, something similar yes. to that, you know. Um, did these artists try to replicate what Spring
1: Jack did and things and it just weren't possible, the feats uh, that this guy,
0: oh, this, 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 I don't know what he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This thing, yeah. yeah, jumping over buildings and, and all sorts. Well, um, last, last question for you, Paul. Is there going to be a truth proof five? They will be, yeah, uh,
1: but and uh, I've, I've already got a kind of fo- a folder on laptop full of information, but uh, I'm probably going to wait at least another year, not yeah. because I want to gather more information. It's just, like I said before, a lifetime of knocking nails in wood and then five years just writing five books. Yeah. Uh, they're not great volumes, people. It's not Britannica, but it's just it's vast difference to what you've been doing all your life yeah, yes. so there will be another one yeah without a doubt so yeah, no, we'll just...
0: i I, I, find, I found i found i found my second book more difficult than the first one i must admit yeah. even though there's probably more in it um and it's probably more diverse um so i can i can fully understand what you mean by that you sometimes need to have a little bit of a break and saturated and, and yeah because you become saturated but um, but well, you know, keep up the good work, mate. I mean, it's, it's, we will do. It's, um, you know, a kindred it's spirit a over a kindred spirit over the over the Pennines is always is always somebody good to talk to. You know, Craig, like you've been on our live stream twice now, and no doubt
1: you'll do that again. And it's always great to talk. So thank you very much for allowing me.
0: Uh, no, no problem. And, uh, where, where, where can people contact you, Paul? Just in case they don't know.
1: The email address is uh, Paul Sinclair, all lowercase, ILF, you, hold on, Paul Sinclair, ILF at gmail.com. I nearly said ILFUFO uh, at gmail.com. And the website is truthproof.uk. The paperback books are on for sale on the website. They're no longer on Amazon, right. but the Kindles are on Amazon. Okay. Uh, and yeah, thank you very much. It's been
0: a pleasure well, talking to you. Thank you for coming on again, Paul. It's been great. Take care. Thank you. No too. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. You can visit my website at www.craigbryant.co.uk. Paranormal Pendle will return, and remember to keep watching the shadows.